When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Continue to quarantine and wait for a pizza that's supposed to show up. And I think they're just going to knock and leave it at the door because I paid for it online already and tipped the person online. And I'm hoping that that works. So I wanted to take a few minutes here before I get my pizza uh, to take some Vikings questions and and have a fun little dialogue, if we can, in the chat box there. Uh, about things going on with the Minnesota Vikings. If you don't already know, I do a show on AM1500 Score North every day, 2 to 4, and we talk nothing but football. So if you haven't heard it, go to wherever you get your podcasts, type in Purple Daily, and you can check it out. Every show is completely podcasted, and we usually take some of the best interviews and segments and post them up there separately. So feel free to check that out. And if you're just popping in here now, then leave some Vikings-related questions. I'll answer them. I'll read what you got to say. We can argue. We can debate. We can have a little fun. And w- if you missed the draft simulation that we did the other night, then please feel free to go back in our Score North account and check that out. So Mark, who I recognize the name, Mark, you were here the other night for the draft sim. I appreciate you. And uh, Richard both coming in with pretty much the same question to start us out. Anthony Harris, what is to do with Anthony Harris? It is the biggest question in Viking land right now, and uh, I think uh, both of you are, are on the right page thinking about what is going to happen with Anthony Harris. And my new theory, uh, which will probably be blown up tomorrow when they do something with him, is that they are going to wait until draft night and then assess what the market is for Anthony Harris. And uh, the likelihood in the second round, third round, there will be a lot of trade opportunities. So the first round is going to be, you know, it's all digital. The whole draft is going to be all digital with GMs in their houses. And I think that's going to be tough for them to be making a, a ton of trades in the first round because this is the first time anybody's ever done the draft this way. But once the first round is over, then I think all these teams are going to try and connect with each other. Uh, in the the hours leading up to round two and round three of the draft and start to work out some trades. And if you're the Vikings, I think what you're looking for with Anthony Harris trade to consider it to be a win or at least sort of good enough is to get a third round pick because that's what the compensation would likely be in 2021 if you just let Anthony Harris go. And I think that that was the initial plan with Anthony Harris was to franchise tag him and then trade him away and end up trying to get, you know, a third round pick or a second round pick. And if you ended up with two seconds and two thirds in this draft, you would be in a really good situation. 
Um, but instead, uh, nobody has been willing to trade a second round pick. Now, if a lot of safeties go early and there's a run on safeties, maybe there's a team toward the end of the second round that gets really desperate and wants to trade for Anthony Harris and sign him to a big contract extension. That's what you wait for if you're the Vikings. And if round two goes by and you haven't moved him, then you're just trying to get a third round pick for him, which is similar to the compensation. I think that that's what happens. Because when I look at the salary cap situation with the Vikings right now, they don't have many other options. I mean, the the only other options that they might have would be to obviously cut Riley Reef or trade Riley Reef. But who's playing left tackle? And when you consider that they also don't have a right guard at the moment, and your left guard proved to have some struggles in pass protection, you think about how poor your offensive line would be if you let go Riley Reef, right? You're not just going to replace those with rookie offensive linemen and expect to be able to protect Kirk Cousins. So you kind of need Riley Reef, even though we all know that he's not an elite left tackle, but he's at least a serviceable and a good left tackle, um, maybe in, in, in the average uh, range. So you're not just like giving away a guy who's average for nothing and cutting him or trading him for a fourth or something when you still need to protect. Um, Kirk Cousins. So I think the plan is to try and create that cap space by moving Anthony Harris. They could re-sign Harris to a long-term contract extension, and it still remains plausible, though not a, a high possibility, that they could consider trading Harrison Smith. And, and I think when people hear that, they get really upset. But you think about the other safeties like Eric Weddle, like Earl Thomas, great players who got into their 30s and eventually their teams decided to move on because they were too expensive for that position. And I think the Vikings could consider it. Uh, Williams, um, Trent Williams from Washington. It still remains possible. So if you were going to trade Riley Reef or if you were going to cut Riley Reef, um, then you could trade for Trent Williams, sign him to a contract extension that gave him a lower salary cap in the first year and then a bigger salary cap down the road where you're going to have some more space, move a couple of other players with big contracts out. I still see that as a realistic possibility. It just seems that Washington is playing this game where they think they deserve a second-round pick, and nobody wants to give them a second-round pick for a player that has not played in a year and had injury issues in the past. And if you're the Vikings, it's very reasonable to say, you know, we, we, need, we need all these draft picks. So we'll give you a fourth, we'll give you a fifth, and maybe you get to draft night and that happens. Um, but I, I would be surprised if we get that before draft night. Um, and, it, and it might even happen after the draft that they could still be interested in trading for Trent Williams. I, I see that as on the radar. Or if Trent Williams just gets cut, if Washington can't find anybody to trade anything for him, then the Vikings could cut Riley Reef, sign Trent Williams, and go from there. And I do think that that would be a good move uh, because even though Trent Williams is on the older side, he still was elite at his position. And a lot of the elite guys at those at that position, left tackle, they tend to go into their 30s and play pretty well. Jason Peters and Andrew Whitworth being two really good examples of that. And you saw how Andrew Whitworth helped change the entire Los Angeles Rams offense by being an elite left tackle into his mid to late 30s. Um, Andrew's question about the Browns being interested in trading for Anthony Harris, yes. Um, they were. Now, that's an interesting proposition. Uh, the question is, could they trade the 22nd pick and Harris to the Browns to move up and to draft one of the tackles? That is that is interesting. That's an interesting idea. 
Now, trading to move up usually is a dangerous proposition because if you're at 22 and you move up to 15, I mean, the difference percentage chance that your player works out is not great. But if you're in a spot where you have to trade that guy anyway, in the case of Harris, it might make sense to move up. The one thing with the Browns is that they did sign a couple of other safeties, one being Anderson Dejo. Not sure he's going to be a starter, but Carl Joseph, too. They might still be interested. Yeah, I wouldn't close the door to that. If they could use Harris instead of just getting a third, but to move up in the second or move up in the first, that's not a bad idea. Uh, Chad's question about drafting Thaddeus Moss in the fourth or fifth round. Yeah, I mean, I've seen him play a couple of times with LSU, and it's hard not to like what you saw with him, especially the fact that he can block. He can really block. And if this team is going to be a run-first team for at least the next couple of years, assuming Gary Kubiak is stays around, then having a guy who can actually block with Irv Smith, who's, you know, he tries, and I think he did a decent job last year for a rookie, but he's never going to be a dominant blocker. Moving on from Kyle Rudolph after this year seems likely the way that his contract is structured, but if Rudolph catches 10 touchdowns and, you know, has 50 or 60 receptions and still looks like he can play, hasn't had any injury issues for a while, and you know Kubiak's offense loves throwing to tight ends, but I don't hate the idea of drafting Thaddeus Moss. I wouldn't say in the third round, but probably after that, fourth, fifth, sixth, if he's still hanging around, then having another tight end is not a bad idea for this team. They like what they saw from Tyler Conklin, and they certainly like what they saw from Irv Smith. But any guys who are really good athletes at that position who can block, uh, you're going to want them. Uh, keep the questions coming, by the way. Really, really like the interaction here and appreciate it. Uh, from Evan. Ideal draft picks for the Vikings at 22, 25, and 58. Now, that's a great question because the way I look at it, if you're the Vikings, it's hard to go super wrong uh, at 22 and 25 because more likely than not, and it works this way every year, somebody is going to drop. There's going to be a player who was rated in the top 15 And then all of a sudden we say, well, why haven't they been taken? Why haven't they been taken? I'll give you an example. Two guys last year, uh, Andre Dillard and uh, Marquise Brown, the wide receiver from the Baltimore Ravens. Brown was supposed to be a guy that was a top 15 pick, top 10 pick. And those guys just slipped and slipped and slipped down the draft board. Dillard, some people thought, was the top uh, pass blocking tackle last year. And still, he ended up dropping down and the Vikings could have even picked him where they were at. I was surprised to see Andre Dillard and Marquise Brown where the Vikings were. And and so this year has a lot of those possibilities too. There's three wide receivers and three tackles who are all thought of pretty highly. And what are the odds that one of them slips? And I, I think it's a, a great point, Evan, you bring up uh, Javon Kinlaw, who is a, a d- dominant defensive tackle, pass rusher. They don't really have that position right now. It's sort of a rotating cast of putting in Shamar Stephanie to try and stop the run and then mixing in other people. Um, And if Kinlaw is the guy that drops because he got injured at the senior bowl, then he's a guy you absolutely take. But I think that CJ Henderson is the guy that I look at and say, if he drops, then that is your ideal guy. If it's not one of those three receivers, CD Lamb, Henry Ruggs, or uh, Jerry Judy, if it isn't one of them that can replace Stephon Diggs and potentially produce a lot in their first year, you're looking at the corner. Because right now, you're in a bad spot with corners. And uh, the way that Mike Zimmer has been able to develop former first-rounders, 
And that's a position that is is hugely valuable. And I think winning in the NFL, even though some teams can do it by running the ball, it's usually pass and stopping the pass, right? So I, I think that they would, best case scenario, want to draft a corner and then hope that a tackle drops or hope that a receiver drops and, and pick from whichever one you had higher on your board. I, I guess that's the way I look at it. And at 58, hard not to say it for the ideal person, but I think Antoine Winfield Jr. is the ideal guy that if he got to 58, I don't know that he will. Todd McShay had him in his first round mock. I think Mel Kuyper did too. Um, but if somehow Antoine Winfield Jr. got to 58, that is your ideal pick. Um, and, and just speaking in terms of what's realistic. Uh, Mark points out that Jason Peters is still available. I'm down for that. I'm down for one year of Jason Peters at $15 million to release Riley Reef because this team still wants to win. They signed Kirk Cousins to a contract extension. So you're thinking 2020, be competitive still. Go 10-6. and six. Go 9-7 and seven and make one of the seven playoff spots now and protect Kirk Cousins. If you go through the Kirk Cousins era and never have a good left tackle, I mean, that's going to be a major failure. So even one year of Jason Peters and draft somebody else and develop them for left or right tackle, depending on who it is. Um, if, if you were to get uh, Wills from Alabama and he's the right tackle and you move uh, Brian O'Neill eventually left tackle, that's fine. But at some point in the Kirk Cousins era in Minnesota, you have to protect the guy. In his first two seasons, I mean, I don't make excuses for him because he has had opportunities to win more games, but he has never had a great offensive line and he holds on to the ball a lot. And I, and I think it has been a failure on the Vikings part to not be able to protect him better. Um, uh, so Derek asks, it seems like the Vikings have too many holes uh, to only been using the draft to fill them. Do I agree? Yes, I do agree that there are going to have to be, well, two things, maybe some bargain free agents. And it sounds like the Vikings have been in on bargain free agents all throughout this process and they just have lost them out to this team or that team. But even someone like Nickel Roby Coleman, I believe the Vikings were in on Nickel Roby Coleman and he signed a one-year deal to go sign with the Philadelphia Eagles. And it wasn't for much money either. Even someone like Mackenzie Alexander losing him for one year, 4 million, um, they should have been able to match that or even beat that. But Alexander, it seemed, did not want to stay and wanted to go play for someone else. And that's what's made it difficult. So we might end up seeing some of those guys that are after the draft, still hanging out there looking for jobs, and you give them a one-year deal for $900,000 to fill up some spots. And the funny thing about that is sometimes you get good fines at that point. Players who just slipped under the radar and nobody needed them at, at that particular time, and then you can fill spots. But I agree that if they're trying to fill starting roles all through the draft, that's going to be pretty tough to do. And the other thing is they need guys to step up who they've been developing. I'll give you an example. Someone like Jaleel Johnson. If you can't draft a defensive tackle, you're going to need someone like Jaleel Johnson or, or, or Armin Watts to be able to step into play. Or uh, someone earlier mentioned Hercules Mata'afa. My hopes aren't super high after seeing his first year, but if he's put on weight, he has a natural ability to get to the quarterback. You need someone to be able to step up at these spots. That goes for wide receiver too. Whether it's BC Johnson or Chad Beebe is healthy for once or Dylan Mitchell surprises us, somebody that's on the practice squad right now. Uh, Bill asks about Riley Reef's PFF numbers. No, they weren't that bad. They were much closer to average. Um, 
he, you know why it looks like he's worse than uh, his PFF numbers would seem is because if you look at his grades per game, you'll see that when he goes up against elite players, he gets smoked. Khalil Mack beats him every time. And when he goes up against average players, he usually holds his own. And that's about what you expect from somebody who is an average tackle. He's just average across the board. And that is okay. And and you can certainly hang around with an average tackle. Um, but, you know, if you're going to win and go anywhere, then I think it's going to be pretty hard um, with Reef long-term. If you're talking about, you know, 2021, 2022, actually being a real competitive team with that at left tackle is probably not good enough. Um, defensive end, Tom brings up defensive end at 25. This is the position that I have trouble with figuring out how to fit it in when I do draft simulations and, and look at mock drafts because, you know, they definitely need defensive end, but you'd also be asking yourself, well, what do we think of Afadi Adenabo as a full-time starter? He's playing every play. And can you develop somebody else to be a situational type of rusher who comes in on third down and maybe Adenabo kicks inside? Like they could get creative with that and maybe draft a couple of guys later on um, but, you know, they, they should have some opportunities to also, you know, take um, somebody when it comes to, you know, the 25th overall pick, too. There's Gross Matos, there's Epinesa. And by the way, I see people because of his combine saying that Epinesa, oh, he's not that good or, or he could be a bust. And, I mean, anybody could be a bust at that situation. But having seen him play a couple of times at Iowa, the guy looks like a beast to me. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, he looks like a power rusher the same way that Everson Griffin would drive people back into the quarterback. And if he's there at 25, it, it's hard to say that you, you would hate to see it. Um, now, the other two picks that Tom brings up would be um, at uh, two corners around the defensive end position, which you could definitely justify. You could definitely justify drafting two corners, um, but at defensive end, is hard to justify in the first round when you need a tackle for the future, a wide receiver for the future. Um, but if someone like Epinesa is there or Gross Matos, they're going to have to consider it um, because Everson leaves a huge hole, even if Afadi Adenbo turns out to be pretty good. Um, Chad asks, who are some of the late round quarterbacks not named Hertz? So the guy that is interesting to me, and this comes in part from my buddy Sage Rosenfels, who worked with this guy before the Combine, but Anthony Gordon is definitely the guy who comes to mind in terms of a late round quarterback, because first of all, if you're talking about experience on a football field and how many throws a guy made in college, he made like 600 last year. They threw all the time at Washington State. But if you look at some of the under the radar numbers, his short and intermediate accuracy, things like that, and how he looked at the senior bowl, Anthony Gordon really stuck out to me. And not as somebody who is a phenomenal, unbelievable athlete like Jalen Hurts or is going to be a dominant player, but he catches my eye as being intriguing. Uh, there's also the guy from FIU, uh, Morgan, I think is his last name. I haven't watched him on YouTube or anything else like that, but he's a name that sort of keeps popping up as somebody that might have high potential but didn't have the greatest statistics. Whether they draft a late-round quarterback is an interesting debate here because you have so many, um, you know, so many positions that you need to fill and spots that are empty and positions that you need to even develop for the future. And so spending one pick on a quarterback when you know Kirk Cousins is under contract 
for a couple more years is not the easiest thing to do. Uh, but at the same time, drafting a quarterback is mostly a good play because if it works out for you and say you draft Anthony Gordon and after two years of Kirk Cousins, you're really, really impressed with Anthony Gordon. He's gotten in the game a couple of times and you love him. Uh, the same thing with, or if it's Jalen Hurts and you love the guy and you think, wow, he's showing it off in practice that he can really handle the NFL game. Well, then you would consider trading Kirk Cousins because he has a, a no trade clause or he does not have a no trade clause anymore. And so you would think about trading Kirk Cousins. Now, I, I don't see that scenario as super likely. I think this thing goes all the way the next couple of years with him, but you can always do it. You, you can always make that decision and draft a quarterback and see if you get something. A lot of times it doesn't work out, but sometimes it does. Um, question on Mike Hughes playing inside or outside. Yeah, no, I think it depends on who you draft. There's no doubt in my mind, Evan, that they're going to draft a corner or two corners or three corners. Who knows? I mean, when you get to all those fifth, sixth, and seventh round picks, you might as well just keep taking corners and see if anybody's any good. Um, but Holton Hill is definitely an outside corner only. And if you draft another outside corner, uh, say it's C.J. Henderson, you get super lucky, or A.J. Terrell, uh, so – there you got your two outside corners to start with, and Mike Hughes can play inside. If you draft a nickel corner, there's some guys who project better as nickel corners who are second or third round picks. And if you end up drafting someone like that or Antoine Winfield Jr., as you as mentioned, um, to play nickel, then you would absolutely have Mike Hughes on the outside. I think it's a, it's a fairly good likelihood that Mike Hughes is at nickel Surely because there are only a handful of people who are actually good at that position. That position is really hard, and he's been working at it for a couple of years, uh, and it's just as valuable as outside corner in my mind. The, the guys don't get paid like that as the outside corners do, but when you look at where the targets go in the NFL, they're often over the middle of the field and in the direction of slot corners. Someone like Michael Thomas lines up in the slot more than half the time, and your slot corner has to handle him. So I think it's hugely valuable. Um, question about A.J. Terrell, best scheme fit for Minnesota after Henderson Nakuda. I actually agree with that, Eric, because uh, now I am not going to tell you that I have grinded 10,000 plays on A.J. Terrell. Uh, I've watched what you've watched probably on him. But from what I read from the draft experts, first of all, you have the high level of competition. So that always helps. But also his lengthiness. His athleticism, his performance at the NFL Combine, those always point you in the right direction. And he's known as someone who has fluidity to him, who can mirror wide receivers, and he has the length and the size. That matches up a lot in my mind for A.J. Terrell to be the next best fit after Akuda and Henderson. Um, we're actually going to have Christian Fulton on the show. Though. I want to ask him how he feels about it. Um, those guys who play against really high-level competition and perform really well, Terrell is one of them outside of the game against LSU. But, uh, you know, I think that Terrell is somebody to definitely uh, keep an eye on. So, all right, let's see. Scrolling through to see if there's any more questions here. My pizza has arrived, so I really want to eat that. Um, and it looks like I have answered most of the questions here for now. So every Saturday night, I'm going to do a draft sim myself, and you guys can rip me apart for not being a good GM. But it was pretty fun the last time we did it, and I really enjoyed this too. And so thank you guys to all of the questions. I'll answer yours, CJ, before we wrap up. 
Um, but just, you know, I, I appreciate everybody popping on, asking questions, talking football. I know it's uh, it's not super easy out there for everybody these days. So I'm, I'm hoping this helps. Just have a little fun. Uh, do I think that the Vikings will end up with Jalen Hurts? I do not think that they will, but I think it would be great if they did. Because in, let's say, worst case scenario, you draft Jalen Hurts and you get him in the building and you think, mm, you know, eh. He's not that good, or he's not picking up on the offense that fast, or whatever it might be. He can still be a good backup quarterback for you, and he can still be an athlete for you. He is such a powerful runner. The guy is like a running back the way he slams into linebackers, runs over corners and safeties, and you could use him in other ways than just as a quarterback if you needed to in the worst-case scenario. In the best-case scenario, he gets the job in several years after you're done with Kirk Cousins and you hand it over to him on a rookie contract. And so I like the idea of drafting Jalen Hurts. I love his character, somebody who handled the Alabama situation really, really well and very maturely, and then went to Oklahoma and put up huge numbers and got in the Heisman conversation. So I I like Jalen Hurts a ton, but uh, I don't really see the Vikings being one of the top teams that will be looking at him. No, I think they should. And just to answer your question, Richard, about Mike Hughes' neck injury, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know, but it's concerning. I, I don't know what the latest is because we haven't talked to Rick Spielman or Mike Zimmer recently. At the Combine, Mike Zimmer said that he felt okay about his injury or that he would be back, but it's hard to say when a guy's been hurt twice. I actually like Hughes as a player, and I go back to that game against the Giants where he was really outstanding, and even how he bounced back after having a rough night against the Dallas Cowboys. It'll happen to you if you're a, a young corner. And he bounced back and played really well after that. And I thought he should have been starting down the stretch completely so we could have gotten a better look at him. And he might have made a difference in the playoffs. But, um, you know, I, I don't know about the injury. It's certainly a concern when you've had two injuries that have ended your season. So, all right. Thank you to all of you guys who have checked in here and asked questions. This was really fun. And I hope we can do it on a regular basis. I think the plan is I'm going to do every uh, Monday night around 8 o'clock Central. And then every Saturday night, we'll just draft him until the draft. And then we'll do Q&As after that. And maybe we could talk some other you know, fun football stuff. So I'm going to go eat some pizza and appreciate all you guys. We'll uh, check you next time.